0: praise you. We honor you today. You know, we discovered, you know, Mother's Day was created by Hallmark Cards because they wanted to sell more cards. And Father's Day in the United States was, there wasn't even one until 1972. Oh, of course. And it was some woman in the state of Washington. So, you know, if you don't want to honor fathers, you got a woman to blame <laughs> well, you know, she's the, she's the one that did it. So. But that was the first Father's Day. So. But we honor God our Father every single Amen. moment Amen. of every Amen. single day. Amen. If Amen. you Amen. have a tithe or an offering this morning, you can put it in the box over there. We appreciate it. Lord, we thank you for the gifts that we received this morning in your storehouse. Lord, we thank you most of all for your presence in this place. Your son, whose blood covered our sins. Oh, Lord, we just welcome you. We welcome your Holy Spirit this morning as we surrender this service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're still in the Beatitudes. We're still talking about blessed are. So if we go to Matthew 5 and we look, it says... And seeing the multitude as he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth. And he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those that reveal and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were there before you. Amen. Hmm. Amen. So blessed if people are persecuting you. But today we're going to look at Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now we started this with blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And you have to have a pure heart. You're not going to get into heaven. You're not going to have a peaceful life. You're not going to have anything unless your heart is right. Amen. But blessed are the peacemakers. But they shall be called sons of God. Yes. Some of you are great peacemakers. You can take a, a war, a conflict between anybody, and and you're able to bring peace to that. Yes. Amen. And that's what we're called to do. In second Corinthians in First Corinthians seven and fifteen it says a peacemaker is a person who has peace and brings peace to others. The last part of 7.15 says this, but God has called us to peace. Now that scripture is basically talking about people that are unevenly yoked and someone married to an unbeliever. And Jesus, excuse me, wants you to live in peace. So he says, you don't have to have peace, you have to get this. So if that doesn't work out, go. Live in peace because peace is more important. Your peace is very important, but you're not going to have peace unless you have a pure heart. Amen. Proverbs 12, verse 20 deceit fills the heart of those that are plotting evil. Well, we know that. How many times have we seen people with deceitful things on their mind how many times have you witnessed that in your life where somebody has come up and you know what they're telling you is just to for their own advantage they they have no desire to bring peace to you but it says joy fills the hearts of those that are planning peace so if you have some kind of disagreement if you have some kind of battle going on whether it's in a relationship whether it's in the workplace where no matter where it is if you're planning peace your heart will be filled with joy Hebrews 12 14 says pursue peace with all people and holiness which without no one will see the Lord so what's it saying it's saying you're not getting to heaven Unless you're pursuing peace with people. And, it, and not unless you're pursuing holiness. Amen. So if you're not pursuing those two things, no matter what happens, you're not getting in the gate. In the New Living Translation it puts it this way. It says, work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Amen. So you have to be pursuing holy living Amen. in order to see God. You have to be pursuing peace with all people Amen. to see God. Amen. How do we get peace? One thing is just a little statement Jesus made before that. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. That's where it all begins. A pure heart. Peace flows out of a heart of purity. Peace flows out of a purity of life. Peace flows out of all of that. And these beatitudes that Jesus took and spoke and began to speak to this multitude of people is he's telling them, this is the way you have to live. This is the Christian life. This is what my disciples, if you want to be my follower, this is what you've got to live for. It doesn't say, unless you're totally holy, you will not see God. It tells you to pursue that. Pursue it. Pursue a pure heart. Pursue these things. Jesus knows we're all born of sin. He all knows we were born in darkness. James 3, verse 17. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then it is peaceable, then it is gentle, then it is willing to yield. It's full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the sex. None of that matters. Whether you're fat, skinny, bald, got a big head of hair. None of that matters. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus has no partiality. Amen. God only looks at your heart. That's, right. that's all that matters to God. God. And that's what we got to have. James in, verse, in chapter 4 writes, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? think about that. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Miscommunication, (laughs) jealousy, (laughs) envy. All these kind of worldly, deceitful, ungodly things cause quarrels among you. And then he says, don't come from evil desires at war within you. Don't let these evil desires start up a problem between you and someone whether it's like i said your boss your your friend your husband your wife whatever don't let it do it you want what you don't have so you scheme to kill and get it isn't that true you want what you don't have so you You get down there and you figure out a way you're gonna get it. How am I gonna get this? How am I gonna do it? You know, I mean, you know, we're we're here in South Florida, the land of scam. I mean, there are books written about the scams that have taken place in Miami. And the scammers and the telemarketers and all those people that are involved in all that. There's books written about it. Oh it takes up a whole shelf. Oh, they stand. How am I going to get this next sale? How am I going to get that money? Let me pick on somebody that's lowly. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me pick on somebody that doesn't have any self-confidence in convince them that they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. But they got to send me $1,000 to get there. I got the way. I know how you're going to make it. I got this little book. The greatest little book ever written was How to Make a Million Dollars. It was a dollar for the book. One dollar. And the book would teach you how to make a million dollars. And when you got the book, it had one page. And it said, sell a million books for (laughs) a (laughs) dollar. And they could do nothing to the guy that wrote it. Because it was the absolute truth. (laughs) He made a million dollars selling a million books. And you could do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine that? You're sitting home, you're going, Oh, I can't wait till this book gets here. It's gonna teach me how to make a million dollars, man. I'm gonna to have me to a Porsche, I'm gonna have a big house on the ocean, blah, blah 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 You know, all this, I mean this was years ago when you could buy a house. <laughs> uh, now it's more like I can buy a dog house on the ocean. You know, so you sit home and you wait you, Finally, this book arrives, and you open it up, and it says, sell a million books for a dollar. Of course, then there was the, the great scams coming out of Nigeria, where you became royalty, that you were related to a king or a queen or somebody, and all you had to do was send a couple thousand dollars, and they would release everything to you and all these other little quirks. A lot of those got shut down. But you know, he said, you scheme. You've got these evil desires. You're going to figure it out. When you want what you don't have. When you're jealous of what other people have, but you can't get it. So you fight, you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't know to ask God. This is what James says. Ask God for it. What does scripture tell us? God supplies all our needs. God supplies all our wants. God takes care of us. So if God wants you to have it, God's going to give it to you. We have to learn to trust God in every aspect of our life. I mean take out take out a meter, you know, that goes up and down and has percentages. What do you think your percentage of trust in God is? Twenty percent? Thirty percent? Fifty percent? Do you trust God half the time with half the things that go on in your life? Do you trust God eighty percent of the time? Do you trust God only when it's convenient, which is more like 20% of the time? What on the scale is your level of trust? If it's not 100%, you fail. If it's not 100%, you're trusting God in every avenue of your life. I've learned to do that. I've learned to do it basically because of my health. God wants me dead, I'll be dead. There is no doubt about it. I've had heart attacks. I've had open heart surgery. I have stints put in my liver. All these things have gone on. Yet I've learned to trust God. I had him do some work on my heart a few years ago. And I got into the room where they're prepping me for surgery. And the doctor comes in, the surgeon. Oh, this is gonna be great, he said. (laughs) When I get done with this procedure, you're gonna feel so much better. Your life is gonna get better. Your energy level's gonna pick up. Everything is gonna be really good. And your heart's gonna run really smooth. You're not gonna have any of these little fluctuations okay good the next person in the door is the anesthesiologist and she goes you are very high risk you could die (laughs) let me tell you you are very very high risk you could die sign here Me a trust, I trust God. When I had the open heart surgery in 2009, yeah, which was long before this other event that I just talked about. I was in the ICU, maybe a day or so longer than I should have been, because they they were found an in the, in the arrhythmia, so they kept taking me back down and trying to do what they called mapping figure out what these electrical impulses in my heart was. And they finally got it figured out. So the nurse comes in and she said, we're going to move you to a, a private room or a room tomorrow. But you're going to have to share it with somebody. I said, "Okay." So they moved me to a room. And the next thing I know, the room's as big as that room back there with the carpet on it. And there's nobody in it but me. And the next thing I know, because I'm in there praying. We lived in uh, Davie. Rose worked in Davie. She had to take a bus down. Then she had to walk because there was no bus between this and, and that place. And then she took another bus to get there. But they put me in the room. And, I, and I'm in the room, and I can just feel the presence of God. Amen. And I can see like angels all around. And the next thing I know, there's nurses are coming in. And the nurses are sitting over by the window and they're just hanging out. They're saying, you know, it's really a beautiful day. You know, there's a lot of peace they say in this room. In and each one of them, each of the nurses on the ship would just come in and hang out until they had a go. Ooh. Because there was such peace in the room. Ooh. Then one night I'm laying in bed Rose is over in the chair, which is over by the the wall. So she's about to the end of the platform from me. And I feel something touching my hand. I kind of wake up. But I see Rose has got her back to me, and she's sleeping. And I hear this voice. The voice says, I will never leave you no more. Thank you. So what is there to say? i got to trust God. I trust Him all the way down the line. I don't care what it is. I don't care what He tells me to do. He tells me to run a marathon. He may have to wait a couple days for me to finish,
1: (laughs) but I'll get there,
0: but God's not that way. He's not going to tell me to do that, unless He really needs a (laughs) lot. in isaiah 57 verse 21 it says there is no peace for the wicked says my god there is no peace if you're not living right with god you will not have peace in your life you have to understand the only way you're going to have peace is living right with god there's no other way What's God's way of making peace? Well, Paul writes in Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live on peace with everyone. So in other words, if you have control of the situation, live in peace. Now sometimes we are in situations where we just do not have control. But if you're, you are in a situation where you control you can control your own life. So live in peace. Amen. We have to recognize sometimes that there's a problem. You know, you've got people that will Jeremiah 6 puts it this way. They dress the wound of many people as though it were not serious. And peace, peace, they say when there is no peace. How many times have you talked to someone in your life and you've had a conflict, you've had something just not right, and they say, oh, everything's all right. And you know darn well everything is not all right. But they got no desire to really talk to you about it. They're just covering up. They're just putting a band-aid on. They're telling you everything's cool, everything's all right, but it's not. And we have to correct that. We have to learn to deal with conflict early. When conflict comes up, and people don't like to do this, they like to let it drag out. They like to let situations just fester and bubble. You know, it's like somebody just put another log on the fire. Let's keep this thing burning. You can't. you got to cut it right at the start. Right at the get-go. Somebody's not doing something. You understand you're all disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. Yes, I do. Jesus never let anybody get away with anything. I mean, when the money changers weren't doing what they were supposed to do, even though they had every right to be at the temple, they were just deceiving people, he took a whip to them. When his disciples weren't doing things right, he scolded them. He made fun of them. Whether in the boat and they're tossing and turning, you know, he kinda looked at them like, do you really think I'm gonna let you die? You know, like what's wrong with you people? When conflict comes up in in some communities and certain people groups, you guys love drama. I mean it's like you get up in the morning and say, What's the drama of the day? And if there is none, you turn it on. Like you turn on the TV, oh drama. Who can I pick on today? To learn to let that go. Amen. If there's an issue where somebody misunderstands something, and that happens a lot. Yeah. Especially now, because we went through a couple years where you really didn't communicate with people, you were kind of isolated. And now you're out, and now you're talking to people, and now you're moving around, and people are doing different things. You know, and you've got to keep your communication open. Somebody says something that's not right, correct it. Somebody says something you don't understand, fix it. If somebody's mad about something and you can correct it, correct it. If you can't, take it to the person that can correct it Mm -hmm. and get it done. It says don't stand on your rights. Hmm. You know, sometimes you're right. There is no doubt about it. You know you're right. It's like somebody gave you a quarter and they're telling you it's a $100 gold piece and you're looking at it and you know darn well it's a quarter. <laughs> Just like, yeah, okay. There's nothing you're gonna do to change his mind. So why start a battle over? Proverbs seventeen fourteen says this, starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate. So stop before a dispute opens up. I mean, you all know what happens when you open up a floodgate. It just takes everything out of it, out of it, in its way out. It destroys everything in its path. I mean, the floodgates open, and it doesn't matter. You get brand whatever's there is gone. Tells you don't stand on your rights move towards the trouble don't run away from it go end it you're a disciple of Jesus Christ Amen. what's the worst thing that can happen to you they don't agree with you, you know, don't stand on your you know prideful right oh I'm right I'm right you, all, you know don't do that Amen. prepare for a long journey. Sometimes these things take time. The scriptures say in Psalm 34, verse 12, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Amen. All right. We all know people that tell little lies. I think they call them white lies because they don't want to hurt somebody's feelings or they don't really want to be honest with. Hey, what are you doing today? Uh, I think I'm gonna stay home and sleep, and then boom, the next thing, you know, oh, I heard so-and-so was down there at the club the other day. <laughs> well, told me they were sleeping. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. True. If you wanna live in peace, if you wanna see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil about someone, sure. and keep your lip from telling lies. My pastor, Pastor Allen, told me one day, he said, you're the bluntest person i know." And he said, I used to think I was blunt. He said, you're even blunter. Because it doesn't matter to me. And I, I will tell you exactly the way it is. I'm not very diplomatic. I don't know how to sugarcoat things. <laughs> and I do not have filters on my mountain. <laughs> there is not a filter that will pop up. It just doesn't happen. I don't mean to insult people. I don't mean to upset people, but I've done it. I've said things to people they've been mad at. I see. But that's the way it was. 1 Peter chapter 3 tells us turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Peter wouldn't tell us that we've got to work to maintain peace if it wasn't going to take some effort on our part. If it wasn't going to be something that we really had to work at, we really had to think about, we really had to make sure that however we're dealing with it, it is peaceable. Some of you are very, very good at that. Some of you are, are some of the most diplomatic people I know. I mean, you could be, have you ever smelled Lindberger cheese? I mean, it really stinks. But you could run into somebody whose breath is full of garlic and Lindburger cheese. And you can just tell them, "Oh, that's (laughs) a (laughs) sweet-smelling breath." You can be right up there in her face, but the meantime, the makeup is just melting off. (laughs) (laughs) But you're very, very diplomatic. You know, and, and some of you can handle peace so well. Right. I mean, Rose has always told me, "You've got to be more gentle. You've got to be more peaceful." I said, "That's not." the way God made me. All right, guys. I just tell my wife she's right on this. Well, that's just happy wife, happy wife. <laughs> it says, trust the injustice. You have suffered to God. Mm -hmm. God knows sometimes what you go through. I mean, you're going to see it more and more uh, as this society changes, as this culture changes. I mean, right now, you have major, major corporations, Mm -hmm. Starbucks, Amazon, Target, and a bunch of others. They'll pay up to $4,500 for an employee to have an abortion. Why? Because the $4,500 is cheaper than maternity leave, which the state requires them to have. And the government says you gotta give people maternity leave. So they offer abortion. Cost them less money. So watch out for the injustices. that comes from everywhere. Mm-hmm. Psalm 55, verse 9. Lord, confuse the wicked. Confound their words. For I see violence and strife in the city. This is David talking. This is right around the time that he had the affair with Bathsheba. And he had the affair with Bathsheba, and he committed an adulterous sin. We all know that. But then he went, and he killed her husband. Oh, well. <laughs> One way to eliminate the problem, he had her husband killed. Yeah. Now, David had a great friend. I forget what his name is. but. He and David were very close, but he happened to be Bathsheba's grandfather. So we get into Psalm 55, verse 12, and David writes, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. And we can all endure that. You know, if if somebody comes up here, you know, that just hates God, hates the church, and gets in my face and just blah, 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 that's fine. Doesn't bother me a bit. David says, If a foe were rising up against me, I could hide. But then he says, But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed the sweet fellowship at the house of God. As we walked about among the worshipers, he's talking to Bathsheba's grandfather, and he's saying, Wow, you're coming up against me because what happened? Because I committed adultery with your granddaughter. I killed her husband. You're raising up against me. You're coming in my face. You're insulting me. You want to take me out. You turned my son, Absalom, against me. You've done all this. He said, you know, I could handle it if you were an enemy. I know how to deal with those you're my friend. We went to church together. We hung out together. We broke bread. We talked. We sat in each other's presence and and just hung out. This is hard for me, David says. It's hard for me. Then he says, my companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter. You all know people like that when they wanted to see you. I mean, they, there's some people you'll meet, they can really talk. I mean, they could sell sand to an Arab in the desert. <laughs> ice to an Eskimo. His talk is smooth as butter, yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn with swords, he's talking about his friend. Cast your cares on the Lord. Amen. He says, and He will sustain you. Amen. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Amen. Can you really trust what David wrote there? Amen. Cast your cares on the Lord. Yes. Trust Him. He will sustain you. Amen. He will keep you at peace. Amen. He will take care of it. We have to learn to trust people, to trust God. First Peter says, for the Lord God called you to do good, even if it meant suffering as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. You must follow his steps. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. Amen. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Mm-hmm. Nor did he threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who judges fair. Remember who judges you, God. You have, I have no right to judge anyone I may not agree with some of the things you do. I may not agree with some of the things you say. But I'm not the person to judge you. Amen. Amen. That's not my job. That's God's job. Amen. If you commit sin, you didn't sin against me. You sinned against God. Amen. So we're all brothers and sisters. We're all supposed to live together, love one another, lift each other up, encourage one another. Hallelujah. But we also have to be able to correct people and tell people when they're wrong. And when there's a conflict, we have to be able to end it. I mean, we've had some conflicts in this church that probably went on for two months before I even found out about them. You know, and that's not it. That's not getting it handled. Yeah. You may have a conflict in your life. You just need to straighten it out. That's right. mm-hmm. Just straighten it out. Amen. What's the worst that can happen? Mostly most of y'all got friends, so you're pretty sure your conflict is with a friend or a boss. The boss may fire you, you get another job. Yeah. Your friend isn't gonna really hurt you, so you got really nothing to worry about. You. God's gonna protect you. Yeah. So it all comes down to how much do you trust God? Mm -hmm. What's your percentage of faith? Are you at 100%? Are you at 30%? If you're at 30%, you really gotta learn to trust God in a lot of other areas of your life. I mean, for some people, it's very easy to trust God when things are going the way we want. But trusting God, the hardest thing for people is trusting God with their money. They don't trust God with it. But yet, God's the one that gave it to you. God gave it to you. He gives it, he takes it away. So you have to trust God in that area. You have to trust God wherever you are. Learn to trust him in all things. The problem we got used to it in the Western culture is we're used to everything coming right away. I mean, we go through McDonald's. We want that. We want that hamburger cooked in in, in a bag and in, in our car in three minutes. But if you get it in three minutes, it's going to be raw. <laughs> you better like it that way because nobody can cook a hamburger in three minutes. So we have to learn to wait on the Lord. I prayed for patience. I will never do that again. (laughs) Because he taught me what patience was. And I waited a long, long time. But we have to learn to be patient and wait on the Lord. For as blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Amen? Amen? Thessalonians tells us in First Thessalonians, it says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is Peter, what is Paul saying? He's telling us he wants you to totally, totally committed to God. Because when Jesus comes back. He's coming after his church. He's coming after those that are right with him. He's not coming after the 30 percenters. He's coming after the 100 percenters. That's who he wants. Isaiah 9, 6. You're all familiar with this. For to us a child is born. A son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is who Jesus is. But we were made in the image of God. We were made to be like Jesus. It's just a battle for us because we were given a sinful nature. We were given a nature that we have to fight. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's fought in the heavenly realms. Let the battling angels take care of it. Matthew 3.16 After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and settling on him. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Can you imagine laying in your bed and you open your eyes and you see the heavens and here comes this dove just ready to descend on you? And the dove being, you know, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. This is what we want. This is how we're going to live. This is what we chase after. Galatians 5.22 But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's what we need to go after. Amen? Amen? Let's stand. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you this morning as we do every day. Lord, we come seeking your peace. Let the peace of joy, let the peace that you have that is above all understanding, let that fall upon us, Let us seek your peace. Let us find peace with our friends.